Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. You guys can take your seat. Welcome to Graceland Church. What a joy to have you here. Isn't it awesome to just worship God together and lift our voices? I'm going to use this opportunity to just mention because we're, we're pretty full in the house. So if, if visitors would walk in right now, it seems like there's no seats in the back. So I'm just gonna shameless plug. Any of you guys that would love to come to our early service, there's room and that service is more spiritual. I mean, it's just more prophetic. It's more powerful. I'm just, I'm just, I mean, just like a little loose plug. I'm totally joking. But we, we, we have realized recently that we need to start encouraging. Um, perhaps a few of you, if you just want to prayerfully consider, uh, that's why we have two services. Um, you could even, you, you could really um, step up if you want to and attend our first one, stay for our second one and just serve in some way. So you could help in our kids' ministry. You could help with our babies, our toddlers. You could help behind the scenes and audiovisual and all these things. So just thank you in advance uh, for prayerfully considering that. You know, we, we love when the room is full because it feels great. It's fun. It's powerful. Um, but when it comes to um, hospitality and making a welcome environment for newcomers, it's not great because you walk in and it feels like there's no seat. Are you tracking with me? Hello? Yeah? You're tracking with me? So another simple thing you can do um, is... If you're able, when you park outside, you can park somewhere on the grass and somewhere off the sides, which leaves more parking for visitors. Also, um, if you're willing, you can sit more close to the front because there are seats in here, there's space. But if you sit towards the front, it's a, it allows the newcomers that come in who we wanna reach and love in the name of Jesus to, to sit uh, somewhere when they come instead of making the newcomer come and sit like right in the front and center kind of deal, which happens too. But um, we're so glad you guys are here. Next week, we start our revival nights. And I just wanna tell you, I want to tell you, I'm going to start crying just talking about it. So I just need to compose myself so I can preach. But uh, I'm not joking. Like, I just, like, sense uh, the Lord's nearness. It's so funny. I'm going to cry during an announcement. But um, also, in the morning next Sunday, my friend, Gary Spell, he's going to preach both services. And he is, I'm not exaggerating, he's in my top one or two favorite ministers of the word and ministers of the spirit to listen to and walk with. I mean, just remarkable. And then he's also gonna speak every night of the revival night. So both Sunday morning services. And what I would love to challenge you to do is come to, to, to a service uh, next Sunday morning, but then come every night, Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night, three nights in a row, 6.30 p.m. each of those nights. Um, and we're inviting our community too. So, and obviously it's not two services each time. I don't know how full it's gonna be, but come towards the front. We're gonna, we'll fill the altars, we'll worship, we'll not be concerned about um, time, we'll press into God's presence. I believe he wants to bring profound spiritual awakening um, to us as a body, us as a church in this area, in our nation, also to you and, and your family and your, your own heart, like revival and new life in your own heart, healing. I've invited some other pastors and friends to just come and be praying over us, but I'd love for you to consider yourself part of the leadership team at Graceland Church. So you don't know, but you just joined, so welcome. And on those revival nights, come and be ready to minister to people. I mean, the body ministers to each other. Pray with people. You might have never done that in your life, and we'll, we'll do those kind of things um, on the revival nights. And uh, we're obviously planning, but we're also going to be really open uh, to what the Lord wants to do. Kids are more than welcome to be in here with us. We want the kids to experience uh, what God's going to do and the youth. And we also do have, um, if you want it, child care for zero to third grade. 
So we understand sometimes, you know, to have a two-year-old sitting next to you for a little while can be challenging. So just make sure you pre-register them. Um, it's right on our homepage, gracelandchurch.com. Just click on Revival Nights. Details there. Also, registration for uh, child care. Cannot wait for it. Also tonight, and I, I did this in first service, I'm stealing Heather's thunder. She's doing announcements later, but I'm just going to say them all right now too, because I'm excited. Tonight, first youth night with our new youth lead team in place. Tonight, five o'clock. It's awesome. Where are my youth lead team at? Stand up if you're in the house. I'm just going to call you guys out. Bula Wheaton, stand up. Samuel, Hannah. There's Samuel. There's Stand up, Samuel. What are you doing? Where's Hannah? Is she in here? Give them a hand, everybody. See, Hannah might have walked somewhere. She was on guitar a minute ago. So these four, what we're, what we're going forward into this new season for our youth ministry, which is our sixth to 12th graders, and there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of them, and, and God's doing great things in their heart. That team right there is our new lead team. And then there's another like dozen or so uh, of like parents and people that help out. But tonight, first night, 5 to 7 p.m. Sunday nights. Next week, they'll be with us uh, for revival nights. So it'll be different. Again. And then the week after that, they won't meet because it's Super Bowl. But then they're back into the every uh, Sunday night flow. Can't wait. Mom life kicks off tomorrow. This room will be filled with all these moms getting mentored. New Bible studies kick off this week. And um, our Mexico missions trip is uh, filling up. So if you have interest, make sure you check all those things out. Today, I'm going to share a message that I'm really excited to share as we continue studying the book of Proverbs. The series is called A Heart of Wisdom. And I just want to submit to you that there's one core practice that is the beginning of every good thing that will ever happen in your life. And this one core practice will benefit every area of your life. This one thing will actually literally transform your life and the lives of all your loved ones, everyone who's influenced by you. And it might not be at all what you expect. It's often misunderstood. And that one thing is the fear of the Lord. And I want to ask you what comes to your mind when you think of the fear of the Lord. Youth too and kids, think about this. What comes to your mind when you think of fearing the Lord? If, if the only image that comes to mind is God's anger or a blazing fire that pushes you away, I want to hopefully help deepen your understanding today through God's word. Two core verses, Proverbs 1, 7 on the screen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then in Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. So both the knowledge of God, knowing him, and then that being applied to your life, the wisdom of God starts by fearing God. David Guzik says, God should be regarded with respect, reverence, and awe. This proper attitude of the creature toward the creator is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom cannot advance further until this starting point is established. Since true wisdom comes from God's revelation, then right relationship with him is the key. That is the starting point. And John Bevere articulates it this way. Holy fear is the key to God's sure foundation, unlocking the treasuries of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. Along with the love of God, it composes the very foundation of life. And we will soon learn that we cannot truly love God until we fear him, nor can we properly fear him until we love him. I'm a big fan of road trips. Anybody like road trips? Or I love flying places. I love going on a new adventure. I love going with friends and loved ones. My wife and I have gotten to do a bunch of those kind of things throughout our life. And there's this reality in scripture uh, that the adventure of your life of knowing God and the journey that God has for you doesn't even begin until you learn to fear him. And I would say it this way. If you've spent a lot of your life observing other people's journeys in the Lord and wishing you had something like that in your own life. 
or, you know, we're the social media age. So we all see everybody's lives. If, if you're on those, um, you know, platforms, you see the highlights of other people's lives and the adventures and the joys. And I, and I would just say, stop observing other people's adventures and start yours. And the way you start it is through the fear of the Lord. It's counterintuitive, but the adventure of your life in Christ begins with the fear of the Lord. And that's what we're gonna unpack. We're gonna look at the first seven verses of Proverbs, and then we're gonna spend time really unpacking the fear of the Lord with a case study in the life of Peter. So if you have your Bible, go to Proverbs 1, and it'll also be on screen. Verse one says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon wrote and assembled most of the book of Proverbs. So most of what we'll study this year and however long we're in, there, in this book. And earlier in Solomon's life, God asked him what he wanted, uh, and he cried out for wisdom above the riches of the earth. And so God said, because you asked me wisely, I'm going to give you wisdom, and I'm going to give you the riches of the earth. Now, spoiler alert, Solomon did not end his journey well. Solomon was used by God, the inspiration of the Spirit, to write this book, most of it. But then at the end, his life disintegrated. He stopped adhering to the fear of the Lord and the principles of wisdom, and he did not end his race well. And it's a a good moment to be reminded that it's not Solomon that we follow. We follow the one of whom it said in 1 Corinthians 1, Jesus, who is the wisdom of God. He is the living personification of the wisdom of heaven. And that, when we follow Jesus, which is our whole heart be here, when we know him, when we love him, we're living a life of wisdom. When we, when we lean into the principles of God in the book of Proverbs, we are following Jesus. Verse two says, for gaining wisdom and instruction. Biblical wisdom is different than the wisdom of the world. Uh, this verse won't be on screen, but in that same passage, 1 Corinthians 1, and we'll be, we'll be going back to that in this series. It talks about how the, the wisdom of God is the cross of Jesus, but it's foolishness to the world. So it is this counterintuitive reality. And here's the the biblical definition of wisdom, different than the world's wisdom. Wisdom, and it's number one in your notes, is the knowledge of God applied to all matters of life and conduct. So learning of him, knowing him, and then living it out. Two different things. People can sit in church their entire lives. They can go to Bible schools. They can, they can serve in churches. They can be even like on staffs of churches and be filled with the knowledge of God, but be horrible at the wisdom of God, which is the applied knowledge of God. And what, what is really tragic, I experienced this as a pastor's kid. I was basically born in a pew. You know, I was that kind of kid. And I was like first one there last time. I mean, my whole life has just been in and around the church of Jesus Christ. I love that now when I was a kid. I didn't always love it. Anybody, pastor's kids, missionaries, kids in the house, and you're wrestling with it. And one of the things that I realized that happened to me is when you're around the knowledge of God so much, right? You're hearing, you're learning, even if you're not trying to, it's getting into you, which is beautiful. But if the knowledge of God only stays the knowledge and doesn't become applied as the wisdom of God, it starts to become disillusioning because we wonder why it's not working. We're like, is this really true? My life's not changing. But, but God's like, oh yeah, I, I'm your savior and Lord, but now I've called you to actually live into the wisdom, right? Actually live. I, I had a kind of a, a harsh word two weeks ago. It's not meant to be harsh. It's actually loving. But part of the thing that's been stirred in me through just studying for this series that I felt like God has said to me is, Nathan, stop complaining about the prayers you've prayed that you haven't followed up with wisdom. Like, don't complain about it. Like, pray the prayer, live by faith, but then... Back that up with how God calls us to live. That's the difference between the knowledge of God 
and the wisdom of God, and we need both, and they both begin with the fear of the Lord. And reading on, it says, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. Number two, this is kind of a side note, our world longs for a life that is right and just and fair. Our culture is looking for rightness and justness, justice and fairness in all the wrong places, you know? In the same way that we're looking for love and acceptance and peace in all the wrong places. So, so I just want you to realize if your heart is longing and is disillusioned by what you haven't found, right? What you haven't seen realized. And by the way, I think our culture is more there than ever before. That's why we're primed for revival and spiritual awakening is because even those that don't know Jesus right now and are on all kinds of wild paths out there are more and more disillusioned with the empty promises of culture. It's not working. And like people are realizing it. So we're, we're primed for God to just invade and move powerfully and just people to jump into the river of God. And here's the thing that's so, so important to remember when studying the Proverbs. We're not just looking at like silly little statements. We're looking at things that help us understand the wisdom that leads to the life that we long for, what is right and just and fair. And it's in Jesus. This book is the solution for the world's cries for justice and rightness and fairness. And I say this book, but it's actually the living word. It's Jesus. Reading on in verse four, forgiving prudence to those who are simple. Anybody willing to say they're a little simple out there? I'm with you. <laughs> who's, who's just a simple folk? Where are my simple folk at? We need some prudence. Knowledge and discretion to the young. Who out there thinks they're young? I'm just curious. Who, I don't know where the line is. <laughs> I see some hands going up. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, some of you are young. I think I've officially crossed over, uh, but... but But the good news is if you're simple or if you're young, this is for you. And then look what it says next. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand who's who's wise because if you raise it, you're probably not. But (laughs) if you are wise and if you have this maturity in the Lord, right here it says, even if you're wise, listen and add to your learning. And, And then If you're discerning, let the discerning get guidance. So praise the Lord. If you've been walking with God for five decades and and he's given you discernment from his heart, well, it's saying right here, don't just stop there, get more guidance. In other words, we never graduate from the school of wisdom, nobody. Like we haven't graduated, we're in it. And that's good news, we're we're still in the adventure. And here, here it is kind of in principle form, number three, the wisdom of heaven is for you. It's for you. It's for every area of your life. Every, every challenge you're in, every crisis you're facing, you can apply the wisdom of God to it. Three nights ago, I was putting my eight-year-old daughter, Nessa, to bed, reading her a little Devo about heaven. And my wife has actually been doing it with her more, but I was in there this week putting her to bed. And as we read about heaven, it was so adorable. Her eyes were lighting up. Her, her eyebrows were raising and she was just like, heaven sounds amazing. And I was like, yeah, it's gonna be crazy. And then she said, dad, I wanna play the would you rather game. And of course, I'm also trying to like get her to sleep. So sometimes, sometimes when they play, wanna play a game and you're trying to put them to sleep, you're, you're just like, no, 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 shut your mouth. Just close your eyes. It's silent time. That's the game. That's the game. You know what I mean? And I thought about that, but I was like, all right, well, let's do the would you rather. And Nessa, if you know her, I mean, she's just like, a, a beautifully wild heart and silly personality. So she can, she can turn it on at 11 at night if she needs to, and she'll just start a, a performance, like a whole play. So, I mean, I, I'm, like, I'm like treading lightly. I said, all right, we can play the would you rather game. And she said this, came out of the blue. She said, dad, would you rather stay with your family or go to heaven and see God? I was like, whoa, good one. 
Good one. New level. I wasn't sure what to say. I thought it was a beautiful question. Before I started really answering, she said, or we can pick them both and bring them together. And she went like this. She said, we can bring them together. And I, 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 I kind of like felt the power of God. You know what I mean? Like when she did that, uh, that's how I felt. Because I was like, oh, oh. She said, we can make our family like heaven. And then we can all go to heaven together. And I said, oh, sweetheart, that's actually, that's a biblically sound message right there. Jesus said to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we were talking about this as it is in heaven, on earth, sorry, on earth as it is in heaven. So we were like, yeah, God does want us to literally like bring heaven and the realities of heaven to our family. Doesn't that sound good? Who would love to have a family that feels like heaven on earth? <laughs> who feels like they're far away? No, no, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. Who, who, don't look at the culprit, but who just feels like, I mean, you're like barely an inch above hell. No, I'm just kidding. So bring heaven into your family. We're like, yeah, that, that is it. Because you can, you can take that prayer that Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then you can make it a little smaller um, here in America as it is in heaven. And you can say in Tennessee as it is in heaven, in our city, in our community, in our schools, in our home, in our family as it is in heaven. And then make it really personal in my mind as it is in heaven, in my heart. Wouldn't, how many of you would like for your thought life to be heaven on earth? That sounds good. How many think you're just so far away? I mean, it, 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 it strikes us because the, the gap seems so large, but I just wanna remind you, now here's the thing. Here's why I share all this. How do you make your family heaven on earth? How do you move your thoughts to heaven on earth? How do you move the culture of your own heart to, to heaven in your own heart? You do it through the wisdom of God, which how do you get it? The fear of God. All of it starts with the fear of the Lord. Let me read you a couple examples. We already read this, but let me read the full verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if I could be so bold, don't be a fool. Don't despise instruction. If someone is kind enough to like correct you, even if they're a jerk about it, even if it's a bad correction. I was taught, and I think this is true, look for the nugget of truth in every criticism you get. We're taught that as pastors. In pastors, people love us at first, then they hate us, right? People come and it's the greatest thing in the world and they're like, ah, I'm kind of out. It's oftentimes not a super long journey and you have to fight cynicism and you have to learn how to handle criticism. And I was taught, even when people criticize you and it's totally unfounded, ask the Lord to show you the nugget of truth in the criticism. Because if you're wise, you will delight in instruction, correction. And people see stuff that we don't see. And we should be willing to admit that. That is part of wisdom. The word for fear right here in Proverbs 1.7 is yurah. That's the Hebrew word. And it means fear, reverence, awesome, and extremely. And later in Proverbs 19.23, it says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content. Psalm 25, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Proverbs 14, 26, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress and for their children, it will be a refuge. And then of course, this clarification is important in case you're unfamiliar with these concepts. In 2 Timothy, we're told the spirit God gives us does not uh, give us a spirit of fear. It doesn't make us timid. It gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And scriptures are actually full of the command, fear not. So there's a difference between the spirit of fear that we are not to do and the healthy fear of the Lord. And that leads us in to what I'm gonna call the three A's of the fear of the Lord. And I don't even like it when pastors do this. I feel like I stumbled on this accidentally, but we have three A's. Are you guys okay with that? 
We're gonna do the three A's of the fear of the Lord. One of my friends, Mike Quinn, helped me in my thinking on this with some, some teaching that he did. I kind of like it because the A's are the first letter. A is the first letter in the alphabet. And it's a good reminder. If you can remember these three A's, they will help you grow in the fear of the Lord. And they're all in this number four. So we'll start with the first one. The fear of the Lord is giving your attention to the Lord. The first A is attention. So being attentive of his presence, who he is. We talked about it earlier, but wouldn't it be silly if every time we gather in church like this, we talk to each other, you hear someone preach, you sing songs about him, but you never just talk to him, the one who is here. He invites us to speak with him. God is here. King of kings, Lord of lords, creator. And part of beginning to fear him, have reverence for him, is giving your attention. Sometimes you, you can't even give your attention when you're not aware. So that's another kind of mixed in with the first A, growing in awareness and then learning to give your attention as a discipline. And here's a case study for us. Peter, in the book of Luke, chapter five, verses one through five, has in for his first encounter with Jesus. And it says this, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at their water's edge two boats left there by a fisherman who were washing their nets. So at this point, Peter, who would become one of the core disciples, who would be the one to preach on the day of Pentecost at the birth of the church, he didn't know Jesus yet. So just like all of us once were, he did not know the Lord. He was not aware. He was not giving his attention, at least not much. Then it says, Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, Simon Peter, and Jesus asked him, so now Jesus is talking to him, to put out a little from shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. So, so right here, Peter is growing in awareness of Jesus because Jesus is talking to him and asking to use his stuff, which I love this for a few reasons. Sometimes before you even know the Lord, he, he, may, he may prompt you and be like, hey, I wanna use some of your stuff for my kingdom. And I always remember this as a pastor. Sometimes we, we wrongly think that God doesn't wanna use people in the ministry and in the kingdom until they're like perfectly mature in the Lord and everything's like nice and clean and they've got it all together. Nope, Peter, he's using Peter's boat as Jesus physically is walking the earth. He just, he just called Peter into the ministry. Peter doesn't even know him yet. You guys see that? Peter's barely even aware of who this is. And now Jesus is sitting in his boat. <laughs> We had that, just a quick story, in our early years in LA, she might even be watching this online, lovely young couple that we met, strong atheists, like lifelong atheists, and uh, if she's watching this, she, she knows our love for her, and her and my wife became good friends, they both had tiny little daughters, it was with our first Novi, and we just became friends with them, and so they started coming to our church, not confessing Christ, strong atheists, but respectful, and then they signed up to host a community group. And I was like, you guys wanna host one of our groups? And we were gonna go through uh, this book called The Reason for God by Tim Keller, which Tim Keller is a brilliant apologist on, on why the reason for God uh, makes sense logically. He's just brilliant. And they said, yeah, we'd like to host it. And I was like, well, how's that gonna work? Like you, um, you're like a, like a very vocal, like self-proclaimed atheist. And we're gonna be studying the reason for God. And they were like, we know, but we love the church. We love you guys. And we've met people. We'd love to build deeper relationships. And I was like, well, uh, will you be respectful of people like talking about Jesus and seeking God? And, and she's like, yeah, we'll be totally hospitable. We won't, even, we won't even chime in, we'll just host it. So they hosted an entire group of the reason for God for the first year of our church plant in LA. Never became Christians. Um, eventually uh, we, we stayed friends, but they weren't at the church long-term. It just didn't make sense for them forever. I don't even remember exactly what happened. And then just recently we're talking 
I guess it's like, four, it's like 13 or 14 years later. Um, she has stayed in touch with Jess, reached out. They just visited us in Nashville a couple weeks ago. She said, I've been watching uh, Graceland Church online uh, with my oldest daughter, and we just there's something. We're just like on this faith journey. It's brand new for us. And, and uh, they saw that we were doing the Bible in the year. We had that resource through Nikki Gumbel. So she said, I'm listening to Nikki Gumbel every day through, through the Bible in a year. <laughs> I hope this isn't weird, Pella, if you're watching. That's her name. But um, we, just, we love her very much and her kids. She's remarried now. And um, God was using their boat 13 years ago their house, their apartment in LA to host this group. It's just like Peter. I believe, I know how much the Lord loves Pella, her family, and has a plan for them. And so I don't even mean to talk about it this much, but this story has always, as a side note, impacted me. Jesus um, breaks all our categories, doesn't he? Like we don't have to be like in control as if we're somehow uh, managing this whole thing. And that's such, that's such good news. Um, and then Reading on the scripture. See if I can compose myself. It says, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water. Peter was a fisherman, by the way. Let your nets down for a catch. Simon Peter answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. So, so notice what's happening here. Peter is a lifelong professional fisherman. This is what he does. Jesus is a rabbi, not a fisherman. And Peter is like respectfully saying, hey, um, we've been working all night. It's not a good night for it. We know it. But, but he just chooses for a moment to pay a little bit more attention to what Jesus is saying. And he says, okay, because you're saying it, I will do it. I, I am growing in awareness. Peter is growing in awareness and in giving attention, he's growing in the fear of the Lord. I got to go to Africa once years ago on a, on a mission trip. And at the end of it, we did one day where we got to go on a safari. I've always loved cheetahs. Uh, like my favorite animal, I wrote papers about cheetahs, fastest animal, all this stuff. And so I was like literally praying, God, let me see a cheetah chase and kill a gazelle on this trip. <laughs> That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I told the guide... I said, can you just like move us towards where they do the cheetah kills? And, and the guide, he said, obviously, very rarely uh, do you see a cheetah kill. And while we were out there, we weren't seeing anything yet. And all of a sudden, the guide like immediately shushed all of us. He's like, be quiet. And he said, look right there. And right next to our Jeep, I'm, I'm like so close, was a cheetah, not just sleeping or sitting there, hunting a gazelle that was like 100 yards out. He was, he was perched down, you know, like cats do, under the grass, not paying attention to our Jeep, but here's what happened. I grew in awareness of the cheetah. I was like, oh, there's a cheetah right there. Then I, my attention was fixed on the cheetah and the voice of my guide, and I started to understand what it is to fear the cheetah. You know what I mean? It's a just very practical. When you, when you focus your attention and your awareness on this God, God, creator, if you believe he's with you, it changes how you think. It changes how you live. And by the way, on that safari, I saw three cheetah kills. 
unbelievable. The, the, gu- the guide was like, we've, this never happens. That one literally took off from right next to us. We like walked, we like slowly drove by it for a while. And then eventually it like did the full speed, you know, 72 miles an hour thing and killed a gazelle right in front of us. I was like, thank you, Jesus, the circle of life. And then we saw more. It was unbelievable. It was really good. Um, Sean Thomas says it this way, the fear of the Lord means a continual awareness of the presence of God and your accountability to him, which affects every attitude and action in your life. So let's go to the second part, the second A. The fear of the Lord is the first, giving your attention to the Lord. The second part, being in awe of the Lord, awe. Reading on about the life of Peter in this encounter. So let me just give you the recap. Simon Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and get them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So it is an unbelievable miracle. Again, the counterintuitive wisdom of God. But because Peter, the expert, was willing to give his attention to the words of Jesus, now their boat is sinking. He has a new prayer. God, help me save my boat. It's, it's too big of a harvest. So, so this life of wisdom in fishing is completely transformed by one word from Jesus. And look at the, the response of Peter. When Simon Peter saw this, he wasn't overwhelmed by the fish. He wasn't so excited about all the money coming in. This was his industry. What did he do? He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Peter was now in awe of Jesus. And this is what happens. If you begin to seek Jesus and pay attention to him, grow an awareness of him, and then he shows up in power in your life in some way, you grow in awe of him. You fall to your knees before him And you don't understand. You don't understand how this perfect, powerful, holy God is embracing you in love and perfect peace. It's the, it's like the impossible juxtaposition. I'll never forget my first encounter like this with Jesus was in a service taking communion. I'm 17. And for the first time, I had like put my faith in Jesus a hundred times as a kid. I had had experiences with God. This day, I'm taking communion and I was transported to the, to the feet of Jesus at the cross and, and I was broken for the first time in my life for my sin and at the same time embraced by the love of God and I was in awe. It's the only word for it. And learning to be in awe of him. And perhaps you've lost some of the awe and wonder. You can just go back to this great salvation. You can go back to this God who provides for you, has known you before time and is still with you. So you give him your attention and you give him your awe. John Bevere says, the more extensive our comprehensions of God's greatness, though in itself it is incomprehensible, the greater our capacity for fear or reverence of him. When we were, uh, let me just give you a practical way I practice this and we're, we're gonna close here in a couple minutes, but I tend to be a results-oriented guy because I've, I've been pretty driven since I was a, get, a kid. I love starting projects. I probably have like a, a bit of a uh, um, performance-based identity. It's a real problem, you know, if, you, if you're like that, you know it really, it, it serves you well, maybe a little bit. It puts this fire under you, but it's not healthy, right? And so it's this gradual unwinding that God does in us and we all have our own version of that. Um, so one of the disciplines I've put in my life 
because I, I so want to achieve things. Uh, and some of that is good. Some of it is like holy ambition. Some of it is selfish ambition, right? And I'm trying to discipline myself to not act on that and, and to be more and more like Christ and, and use the gifts for his glory, all that stuff. Uh, whatever he's given to me, and, and, and the same would be for you. And so we learn disciplines to help us. And one of mine is whenever I'm doing something that's highly results-oriented, I have some kind of goal. Um, certainly ministry is like this. You want to see fruit. I make it a discipline to, to worship God in awe and wonder before I see any results. It's just a discipline. I'm going to be wildly in awe of you, God, and in love with you and serving you because I love you. <laughs> because you love me, because this is the greatest call of my life, because all this other stuff that I'm trying to do and figure out is, is so much secondary that it's like down here an inch off the ground when, when me just knowing you and being with you is up into the stratosphere. So it's a discipline to remind my heart. And I, I tell myself, I'm in awe of him far more than I'm in awe of, of any result that we could ever have. I fear him more than I fear what any man can or can't do to me. I fear him more than I fear what any circumstance can or can't do to me. So this discipline helps us to be awe, in awe of him, not us. In awe of him, not our circumstance. In awe of him, not your paycheck. In awe of him, he is the one, right? And so it means that uh, whether you're up or down with all the results of life, you're in him all the while, right? And I, I actually in this story, I wanted to share a cool update. We had been doing this Christmas offering and I was practicing this with the Christmas offering because it's a very specific goal. We're going for it. And before we first collect them, I'm always just like going to the Lord and I'm like, Lord, if you wanna bring in $10 to this Christmas offering, um, I'm gonna trust you and that's gonna be all we need. Thank you that you are a provider. I love you, Lord. I will, I'm gonna, you know, just worship him. Be in awe and wonder of the Lord. Even if, if that happened, I'd be thinking, I'm in the wrong job, you know what I mean? Or like, I'd be thinking all these things like, man, I'm a horrible failure, I can't even, but, but let me tell you, really cool, people have still been giving to the Christmas offering just last week. We, we technically closed it a few weeks ago, but just last week it went up over $80,000, $80,203 to go to those good causes. Isn't that amazing? Just by way of celebrating. But it's really beautiful for me to be able to say that and know that my worship and awe belongs to the Lord either way. It belongs to the Lord. He's the one I'm under and that I serve. And the way that that, um, the way that, that manifests in Peter's life, the way he, he experienced this uh, was just so profound because he, he, he literally told God to get away from him because he was such in awe of him. And then it leads, we're gonna look at this last part of Peter's encounter with God. And number four in your notes, the third part is this, the fear of the Lord is giving your allegiance to the Lord. That's the third A. Awe, I'm sorry, Attention, awe, and allegiance. The three A's, if you will, of the fear of the Lord. Look at the story in verse eight. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, so here's the moment. Peter's down at his feet. Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. So again, differentiating between the spirit of fear and the healthy fear of the Lord. And then look at this, from now on, you will fish for people. He puts a whole new call on Peter's life. So they pulled their boats up on shore. And here it is, they left everything and followed him. Allegiance. That's the only, that's the only response for a disciple of Jesus, period. 
There's no, there's no, I'm thinking about um, giving you this part of my life. I'm thinking about pulling you into this decision. No, no, no. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to, if you want to come into knowing him and following him, he says, those who desire to save their life will lose it. Those who lose it for me will find it. This is where life is. So the attention leads to the awe, which leads to the allegiance. Sean Thomas, to have the fear of the Lord means to know God, to acknowledge him in every situation in your life. We use the language all the time, but we miss it. Scripture says you confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. To confess him as Lord says you have my allegiance. I'm going to follow your way. Kidner says it this way, the fear of the Lord is a worshiping submission to the God of the covenant. A worshiping submission. I'm gonna ask James to come back up to the piano. Could you just close your eyes with me, bow your hearts right in your seat? Can you just begin to acknowledge that God is here? We're not just talking about him. He's here. He's with us. He's always with us. And, and, and sometimes he's with us in a, in, a, in a kind of a manifested kind of way, like we can more sense his nearness. And I believe this is a moment like that. That's part, that's part of the reason we gather as a church and sit under the preaching of the word and sing together because as we, as we worship him, it says he inhabits our praises. He's here. He's with us. And I invite you, where is your journey right now when it comes to the fear of the Lord? Where is your journey in knowing him? Where is your journey in walking in wisdom? You might be at the very beginning. You might've been going for a while and this is a chance to lean in even more. I would invite you to just put your attention on the Lord. I would invite you to pray prayers of awe and wonder before the Lord. I invite you to declare your allegiance to the Lord. I invite you to call upon the wisdom of heaven that is for you in every situation in your life, for your marriage, for your business, for your thought life, for your emotions, for the little cuts that you acquire in life that just seem to build up until eventually you're under a weight that you can't even bear. The wisdom of God, the wisdom of heaven is for you. It starts with fearing the Lord. So just tell him, Lord, I want to know you. I want the knowledge of God, and then I want to apply it. Teach me to walk in wisdom. I humble myself before you. I commit my life unto you. And we pray this as a church as well, Lord. We pray this. We are in need of you. We can't accomplish anything that you've called us to do apart from being with you. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done at Graceland Church as it is in heaven. Pray for yourself in my mind as it is in heaven, in my heart and my family and my work in my Mondays, in my Tuesdays, my Wednesdays, my Thursdays, as it is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for this. Can we stand together as James leads us? Let's just respond. Come on and praise the Lord with me. Sing if you Come on and lift your voice with me. He's worthy of all of our praise. Come on and bring your offering. Sing if you know His grace. Come on and lift. 
praise. Bless God in the sanctuary. Bless God in the fields of plenty. Bless God in the darkest valley. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Bless God when my hands are empty. Bless God with the praise that costs me. Bless God when nobody's watching. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Bless God when the weapon's forming. Bless God when the walls are falling. Bless God cause he goes before me. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Bless God for he holds the victory. Bless God for he's always with me. Bless God for he's always worthy. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Yes, every chance I get, I bless your name because you're worthy. Yes, every chance I get, I bless your name, Jesus. Every chance I get, I bless your name. So come on and praise the Lord with me. Sing if you love his name. Come on and live your voice with me. He's worthy of all of our praise. Come on and bring your offering. Sing if you know His grace. Come on and lift your holy hands. He's worthy. I would just like to pray this over you before we just do a couple more things. If you could, if you want, and you want to respond just physically uh, with our eyes closed around the room, you don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing. It's between you and, and this God that loves you. Just put your hands out, palms up. I love doing this. It's a way of saying my, my attention is on you. My, my awe is for you. My allegiance is yours. I need the, the wisdom of heaven. God, I pray over every person. I just pray your profound blessing. I pray that all, all the promises in Scripture that are to follow the fear of the Lord will come to be in every person in this room, God. As they walk in the knowledge and wisdom of God, I pray that for them. Do supernatural things in their hearts and their mind. I pray things that have been just bogging them down and, or, or shaming them or, or, or leading them into brokenness and, and destruction for years. I pray there'd be a shift, God. I pray there'd be a change in it, an actual change in direction as they receive the love and the fear of the Lord, God. I pray for newness in their homes, newness of life, peace in their vehicles and their employment. I just, I just bless them. I pray it over them, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You can take your seat. Heather's going to come up and just share a few things before we close. And we're going to sing doxology. She'll pray a benediction over us. But can we welcome Heather up to the front? We love you, Heather. Thank you, Pastor Nathan, for that beautiful message on wisdom and holy fear. 
Isn't it beautiful how everything we need in this life is found right in God's holy word? And I think in our humanness, sometimes we tend to complicate things, and yet it's really pretty practical. So thank you for that beautiful, beautiful message today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Heather. I'm the adult ministry pastor here. I also um, have the honor to serve alongside my husband, Stephen, as the recovery ministers here on Wednesday nights at 6.30 uh, p.m. Um, if you are new or new-ish, maybe you've been coming a while and you haven't had a chance, we want to encourage you to fill out a connection card. There's some in your seat backs today. There's also some out in the foyer. You can also go online and do it. There's a QR code on the back of your welcome card where you took your notes today um, that you can fill one out there as well. Um, we also want to encourage you to uh, sign up for our weekly email, um, follow us on social media at Graceland Church Franklin, just to stay up to date on all the happenings um, in the life of our church. And as Pastor Nathan said earlier, our Graceland Youth is meeting tonight with our new launch team, um, our new youth team tonight at 5 p.m. right here for grades 6 through 12. You don't want to miss that. Um, invite a friend, come on out tonight, and then and starting tomorrow night, our Bible studies are beginning this week. Tomorrow night um, is a women's study, The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi. And I'm super excited to lead that study tomorrow night. And then on Wednesday mornings, we have Allison Spawn, who is leading a women's study, Psalm 90, Number Our Days. And then uh, Pastor Rob Rates will be leading the men's study on Wednesday mornings, Faith Foundations, 10 Essential Christian Truths. So those are going to be great. Um, sign up for those out in the foyer or at gracelandchurch.com slash study. And then our new mom life season begins tomorrow that I'm super excited about too. Lots of exciting things. We have over a hundred women from the community that come together. We eat, we laugh, we cry, we build community. This is for moms with kids birth through high school age. Um, registration, there's a few spots left if you go to mumlife.org. If you need child care, please click on Sherry's email on that website. Make sure there is room available for the age that you need first. We do have a homeschool room as well if you have older children. So that's at mumlife.org. We start tomorrow morning. And then next weekend, mark your calendars for Revival Nights, February 4th, 5th, and 6th. This is going to be an amazing time. And our prayer here at Graceland is just that the Spirit of the Lord will just fall fresh on us here. It's a beautiful time. And um, as was shared earlier, there is child care for ages birth through uh, third grade, um, but kids are welcome. I'll say for myself, I remember my first tent revival meeting was when I was seven years old. And it is memories, like I can smell the air. It was an outdoor tent meeting um, that lasted a lifetime. So kids are definitely welcome too. Um, so you have both options. But mark your calendar for that. Invite a friend. It's going to be a beautiful few nights together um, just in worship and prayer. And then our Mexico mission trip is the first week of June. Um, and I know that everyone's getting excited for that. If you'd like to go or you'd like some more information, you can just put your name out on the sign-up out in the foyer. Um, and we will get somebody to contact you for more information on the Mexico trip. At this time, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. We do believe that giving is an act of worship here at Graceland Church, and we're so grateful and thankful for those uh, of you that are vital partners with us. There's a few ways you can give. There's envelopes in your seat back. You can also give online at gracelandchurch.com give. Um, and we're just going to bless this offering. Will you bow with me this morning as we pray? Heavenly Father, we just come before you today, God. We come to you in just a sweet surrender today, Lord, and humility, and just thank you so much. Thank you, God, for being so good, for being so faithful. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, 
Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins and for going to prepare a place for us. It's humbling to think that you would do that for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our advocate, for giving us wisdom. So thankful to be a part of the family of God who loves us so much. We just give this offering to you and we thank you in advance for what you will do with it to further your kingdom. We love you so much. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Once the offering passes, if you'll just stand, we're going to sing together before we dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And praise God from whom all blessings flow. pray this benediction over us before we close today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a wonderful week, Graceland family. We love you very much.